Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. You know, every so often, I do a story and I think, why am I not involved in it? So a sealed VHS copy of the movie Back to the Future sold for $75,000 at an auction right here in Dallas, Texas. Amazing. So I got, and I think to myself, why am I not digging through the VHS tapes that I have and just putting them up for sale? It's just dumb that I'm not doing it. That's what it is. I'm just dumb. The tape was one of 260 sold at the auction organized by Heritage Auctions. It's based here in Texas. Uh, the company said that a collector from New York, congratulations to the collector from New York who won the shrink-wrapped copy of the film, uh, after a heated bidding war, and he got it for $75,000. The cassette, the VHS tape, uh, previously belonged to Tom Wilson, the actor who played Biff in Back to the Future trilogy. And uh, it sold for the highest price ever paid at an auction for a sealed, graded VHS tape. So congratulations. Uh, he also sold some, I mean, I guess he's hurting for cash. I don't know. Uh, he sold his, uh, other VHS copies of back to the future two and back to the future three. They, however, uh, didn't reach the $75,000 threshold. They only sold for, well, two sold for $16,250 and three sold for $13,750. Congratulations. They also had sales for the Goonies, Jaws, Ghostbusters, Star Wars, and Top Gun. But they didn't reach the $75,000 threshold. 600 bidders and uh, were uh, on all the VHS tapes because this was exclusive to VHS sales or auctions. Uh, they collected a total of Five hundred and eighty-four thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars. So now's the time. If you have VHS tapes, albums, cassette tapes, get them out. Start going through them. Dust them off, and let's get them to auction. Welcome, welcome to chewing the fat. <laughs> Congratulations to Canada. They are saving the planet, or at least helping to save the planet. The Canadian government is now banning companies from importing or making plastic bags and styrofoam takeout containers by the end of this year, their sale by the end of next year, and their export by the end of 2025. Canada previously announced the ban, but environment advocates were dismayed about delays that Canada's initial plan was to ban the items at home, but continue to ship them abroad. This is out outrageous. 
So in addition to bags and takeout boxes, the ban will affect plastic straws, bags, cutlery, stir sticks, and six-pack rings that hold cans and bottles. Oh, okay. Uh, The government has listed, uh, this is the Canadian government, has listed plastics as toxic under the Canadian Environmental Protection Act. When that uh, was, you know, last year, that's uh, paved the way for regulations to ban, and it says in the story, ban some. Ban some, they're banning it all. Incredible. Um, I know Trudeau promised, uh, I don't know, in 2019 or whatever, that he would phase out the production, but, uh, you know, they're pissed because he didn't get to it. Ah, it was COVID. We had to delay it because of COVID. Oh, okay. Now, apparently, I mean, plastic is a growing problem around the world. An estimated, in this story, an estimated 10% or less of most manufactured plastic is recycled. A research study published by Environment and Climate Change Canada, which, I mean, I, I love every edition of Environment and Climate Change Canada, said that uh, 3.3 million tons of plastic was thrown out. Almost half of it plastic packaging. Less than one-tenth of that was recycled. Most of the plastic ended up in landfills where it will take hundreds of years to decompose. An estimated 29,000 tons ended up as plastic pollution, littering parks, forests, waterways, and shorelines with cigarette butts. Oh yeah, we got to throw the cigarette butts in. Food wrappers and disposable coffee cups. Plus, I read a story the other day that talked about how we're breathing in uh, plastic particles in our air. So, I mean, I guess that would be part of under, you know, pollution, but, uh, plastic, (laughs) plastic, uh, they want plastic to go away and countries are on board with making it go away. Now, how they're going to ship the products, how they're going to have products uh, made and, and be, uh, be okay for mass consumption. Your guess is as good as mine. But congratulations, congratulations to Canada for making this happen. Now, I thought that, uh, you know, they're still using landfills in Canada. I mean, I guess we're still using some landfills here in the U.S., but I thought most of the larger municipalities were burning it for power. So if you didn't recycle and it wasn't, you know, if it didn't go to the recycle side of the building, then it just gets burned and it burns as, and it creates power for the municipality. So that's where you're getting the plastic particles in the air. Oh no, we can't have that. So at least Canada is getting rid of it all. And I wouldn't be surprised that uh, this administration does the very same thing here in the United States, or at least tries to. Uh, I don't see that happening. Uh, I don't know how you, how we survive. (laughs) I mean, everything is, I mean, that's modern petrotechnology. And so, well, they're getting ready to shut down everything. So maybe that's how you do it. They just, you won't be able to create it anymore. So figure it out. Okay. Just figure it out. Now I know that sounds crazy, but then I read something that made me even think, oh, you know what? Crazy does exist. Some, I should rephrase this. Some people think crazy still exists. So the story, Elon Musk's child seeks name change to sever ties with her father or with its father or with they's father, 
not really sure. Let's see what it says. His transgender daughter has filed a request to change her name in accordance with her new gender identity. And because I no longer live with or wish to be related to my biological father in any way, shape, or form. The petition for both a name change and a new birth certificate reflecting her new gender identity was filed with Los Angeles County Superior Court in Santa Monica in April, came to light recently in some online media reports. The former Xavier Alexander Musk, who recently turned 18 at the age of consent in California, has asked the court to change her name recognition from male to female and to register her new name according to court documents available uh, through a plain site.org. Her new name was redacted in the online document. Her mother, Justine Wilson, who divorced Musk in 2008, there was no future explanation of the rift between Musk's daughter and her father. So if he's going to lose a kid that wants nothing to do with him, I mean, she wants nothing to do with him. She said, or he no, he to she, right? He to she. She wants nothing to do with Elon. Um, I do. Elon, if you're looking for a kid, <laughs> if you're looking for a kid or a son that, uh, you know, you want to take under your wing, I'm here for you. Uh, you can call me Xavier. <laughs> you can call me, you know what, Elon, you can call me whatever you want. I'll be happy to be your kid. I'm sure that might change. Uh, she probably expects, uh, you know, she doesn't, hasn't known a life really, I bet of some kind of struggle. And so now she wants to cut ties with dad. Okay. Uh, Elon cut her off, baby. Cut him, her off. Wow. Just amazing times. Amazing times. Now some people would call that crazy. Not me. <laughs> I would not call that crazy at all i would call that just someone you know living their own life but again elon if you're looking for a son love you and then speaking of crazy we have this story which i don't think is real i think we're we're all being played it's the story of a woman in brazil who is married to a ragdoll so uh 37, complained to her mother about being single and stressed about not having a dance partner. And in an attempt to cheer her daughter up, the mother made her a ragdoll named Marcelo. When my mom made Marcelo and first introduced me to him, I fell in love. It was love at first sight. It was because I would go to these dances, but I wouldn't always find a partner. Then he entered into my life. And it all made sense. Then... Uh, I don't know if you know this, but, uh, he didn't take care of himself, uh, when they were taking care of a little business and, uh, he, she got pregnant. <laughs> so she, you know, not wanting to have a baby out of wedlock, got married to the ragdoll and I missed the live stream of her giving birth. Apparently she did stream it. On one of her platforms. I don't know if it's his OnlyFans account or not. But man, I have got to see how she gave birth to the baby ragdoll. Uh, she didn't feel the contractions in pain. Uh, seeing the placenta and the umbilical cord and the blood made it all real. 
He was here in 35 minutes. Oh, okay. <laughs> and she talks about how lazy the ragdoll is, but she works and she loves him and he doesn't fight with me. He doesn't argue. Uh, this is not, there is no way that this is real. It's just not real. It's just a funny story. And they, she is busy streaming and making money off of it. And it's wonderful. The couple welcomed 250 guests at their wedding, then snuck off to a beach house in Rio de Janeiro for a week-long honeymoon. Did you? Did you sneak off for that honeymoon? It says that she was live streaming as she gave birth. I must find the live stream of this lady giving birth to her ragdoll. I bet it is tremendous. All right, let's go to the break room. There's no way that story's real. Let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink <laughs> desperately. I mean, I realize, stop, stop for just a second, all right. I realize that you can't put an age on love. You can't put, uh, you know, a, a gender on love. But you can't, and I realize that you can love dolls and you can love stuff. But can you be in love with stuff? Mm, I feel like you can't. Ah, let's go to the break room anyway. So good. So those of you that are thinking about going to uh, Yellowstone National Park, uh, you can go. They're going to open up uh, tomorrow partially. You know, they've had historic flooding and they've wiped out all kinds of roads and there's been mudslides and trees blocking all kinds of places. And today being the first day of summer, for those of you listening live, the 21st of June, 2022, the longest day of the year. And it's the first day of summer. <laughs> Yay! So it's going to partially reopen Yellowstone National Park, that is. Uh, because uh, they said, ooh, yeah, visitors are going to be allowed in through the park's three southernmost entrances starting at 8 a.m. on Wednesday. That's would be tomorrow for those of you uh, listening to the show. It would be the 22nd of June, 2022. And entry will be limited by a license plate number system. Oh, okay. So if I show up and I have the wrong license plate, yeah, you're going to get turned away. <laughs> uh, thanks to the tremendous efforts of our teams and partners, we're prepared to reopen the South Loop of Yellowstone. It's impossible to reopen only one loop in the summer without implementing some type of system to manage visitation. So they're going to implement uh, the number of visitors with alternating license plate system. If the final license plate number on the vehicle is odd, that vehicle may enter on odd days of the month. Even number plates, including zero, may enter on even days of the month. Custom plates with all letters will be considered odd for entrance purposes, of course. And commercial vehicles... And people with reservations will be allowed in. So if you don't meet the criteria of odd or even plates on odd or even days, you will be turned away. Have a nice day. Take care. So if you're planning on going to Yellowstone, uh, good luck. God bless. Plus, I mean, they've closed off a bunch of it. The main route through Yellowstone uh, takes the shape of a figure eight. And the most severe damage affected the northern loop which is the Lamar Valley and Mammoth Hot Springs. So the roads in the Northern Loop washed away 
in multiple places and others are blocked by, as I stated earlier, mudslides and down trees. So good luck. God bless getting into uh, Yellowstone. So the Southern Loop is set to reopen. And that, of course, you know, features the Grand Prismatic Spring and Old Faithful and the historic Old Faithful Inn. But, uh, I mean, you're going to be tough getting around Yellowstone this summer. But have fun. You know what? Go and have fun. Take the kids and have fun. Speaking of Yellowstone, I see where the uh, Taylor Sheridan uh, prequel, uh, 1932. Yeah, it's not what it's called anymore. Okay, they're calling it 1923. Wait, what? Yeah, Uh, that was just it. We thought we were going to name it 1932. Now, no, we're going to call it 1923. Oh, okay. Uh, You know, it's still the same show. Uh, It focuses on the Dutton family's next two generations as they struggle to survive through drought and lawlessness and prohibition. Uh, You know, cattle theft. It'll be fun. It'll still be a great show. The show is also going to touch on the end of World War I, which happened in 1918. And then you start getting into, uh, I mean, we're close to another World War II. I don't know if we'll ever get to that. Probably not. And then, uh, I mean, Taylor Sheridan, this guy is just incredible. I don't know what kind of guy he is. I don't know if he's a nice guy. I don't know if he's a bad guy. Nobody says anything bad about him. He's got to be working all the time. I mean, he's got nine shows in various states of production right now. That's incredible. You know how much work that is? I mean, it's amazing. So he's got nine shows in various states of production. In addition to 1923 and Yellowstone, he's got the second season of Mayor of Kingstown, which was great if you haven't seen the first season. It was awesome with Jeremy Renner. He's got Tulsa King starring Sylvester Stallone coming up. He's got Lioness starring Zoe Zeldina and 1883, the Bass Reeves story, which we talked about. Bass Reeves, man, what an incredible story that was. Uh, I mean, the guy is <laughs> incredible. And he's got, I keep seeing his posts, not that I follow him or, you know, I'm not really stalking him, but uh, on the four sixes ranch that he purchased here in Texas, um, the guy, and I just saw an interview with the Yellowstone crew who are busy filming uh, the latest season, uh, how, what kind of guy he is. And, uh, you know, they talked about Taylor and how knowledgeable he is on the West and all the information he has. So, I mean, the guy is just amazing. So anyway, just so you know, if you're looking for the latest show, the, with uh, Harrison Ford and uh, what's-her-face Helen Moran. Uh, it's not 1932 anymore, okay? It's 1923. And I will say, uh, Taylor's keeping people working. Uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> He's got shows. People are working for uh, Taylor Sheridan and uh, Paramount, and I don't know how he's, you know, subcontracting all those workers out. But Netflix is, uh, you know, laying off some more people, or at least they're bracing for the next round of layoffs. They're ex- to be told at the end of this week uh, we don't know who's all going to be hit what departments but it's looking like uh, you know yeah we're going to be letting quite a few people off now they laid off 150 employees and dozens of contractors and part-time workers back in May and so when they announced those they said yeah there's going to be other rounds of pink slipping going on this year but uh, you know we don't know where yet now, according to this, they have a work a global workforce of roughly 11,000 staffers. So that's a lot of people. I don't know what all those people make, but uh, the stock price has been uh, slip sliding away. Uh, they've been losing subscribers. 
at least here in the U.S. Um, and so we'll see. At one time, the stock was over $600. And that was this year, in January. It's now $175 a share. So if you sold, <laughs> if you sold a Netflix stock uh, around $600, uh, you know, you... You did pretty good. Maybe now's the time to buy at 175 a share. Maybe now's the time to buy. Now, according to uh, now Netflix, apparently uh, declined to comment when asked about this. But I know that they did. There was a uh, there was a speech that was given at some event where Netflix tried to make it seem like this was a good thing. And okay. Uh, you know, they've got all kinds of competition. Uh, you know, I mean, for sure, they've got all kinds of competition. Uh, Disney, Comcast, Warner Brothers, Discovery. They're, you know, spending big to launch. You know, the thing is, is that these places are starting to make some cuts too. Uh, nobody's kind of been talking about it really. But, uh, you know, some of that new deal comes together with HBO Max and Peacock and and uh, some of the others that have all joined forces, they're making big cuts too. They're like, yeah, you know, you guys had this show uh, ready to go. You know, goodbye. Have a nice day. Yeah, no, those shows aren't good. We're, we're going to get rid of those. The show's been on for three years. Yeah, I know, but uh, have a nice day. So, I mean, they're all trying to make their mark in the streaming world and, uh, you know, still kind of stay alive with money. And, and uh, we've talked about it before. It's time, even, I mean, it's time for everyone is going to be deciding what streaming services to keep and what streaming services to get rid of. There's only so many streaming services you can have. I mean, I'm at the point now where I'm, I'm, I'm almost ready to get rid of it all. I know. And I love, I love these shows. I love the shows. I love the art. I love seeing what they're doing, but I mean, Everybody keeps raising their prices and they're telling me that, yeah, we have to raise our prices. Well, I know, but, uh, that means that I have to make some cuts too, my friends. So, uh, you know, good luck. God bless. But I'm, I'm not, I'm not at the walkway yet of cutting all streaming services, but I am walking down the walkway of some are going away. And you're going to say, hey, did you see this? Nope, I didn't. I don't have that streaming service. Sorry. Now, maybe, and I'm just thinking off the top of my head here, which is usually dangerous. Uh, maybe we create a chewing the fat streaming club. And uh, we all choose what streaming company we pay for. And then we share the password with others in the chewing the fat club. Now, uh, that won't make Netflix happy when they're coming after people that are sharing the passwords. But uh, maybe we do that. And maybe that's a way that we all save a little bit of money. And we all are able to watch everything by sharing passwords for different streaming services. Oh, wait, you're not supposed to do that? Okay, never mind. I don't know what I'm talking about then. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, 
Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. If you, like me, uh, like a good snack throughout the day, but you'd rather not pack on the pounds doing it, <laughs> which is a difficult thing, uh, I've got great news. Built Bar is here to save the day. Built Bar is here to save the day. They've got so many flavors, there's something for everyone. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, and I am one, uh, passionate about their favorites. Uh, they've got amazing flavors like coconut, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, cookies and cream. And they're all tough to choose which is your favorite. I mean, they have so many more flavors, but I go down this list, coconut, yep, I love it. Mint brownie, yep, I love it. Double chocolate, yep, I love it. Salted caramel, yep, I love it. Cookies and cream, yep, I love it. I, I just say, you know, it's tough to decide. So if you can't pick a flavor right off the bat, you can get a mixed box where you're going to get two of each of their nine regular flavors. Built Bars have up to 18 grams of protein and they're 180 calories or less. Only four to five grams of sugar and only four to five net carbs. But you wouldn't really know it by tasting them because they taste amazing. So you can take care of your sweet tooth and still be healthy. And it's just easy to get your Built Bars. How easy is it, Jeff? Well, you go to Built.com, use the promo code Jeffy to save 15% off your first order. Use promo code Jeffy, 15% off Built.com, B-U-I-L-T.com. Promo code Jeffy saves you 15% off your first order, Built.com. Okay, uh, rest in peace, uh, Brett Tuggle. Rest in peace. Who died today? Who died today? Fleetwood Mac keyboardist Brett Tuggle dies at 70 years of age. Uh, he was fighting cancer, and he, you know, been battling for for a while now. He spent 20 years working with Fleetwood Mac, and he worked with David Lee Roth. Uh, he worked with all these bands through the 80s and 90s. Incredible. So he was with Fleetwood Mac from 97 to 2017 after Mick Fleetwood scouted him to play with his Zoo project in 1992. And then he toured with uh, John Kay and Steppenwolf. Then he met Rick Springfield and joined his band in 82. And then he played with Jimmy Page and David Coverdale and Tommy Shaw, Mitch Ryder, the Detroit Reels. I mean, huge. He spent a large portion of his career working with David Lee Roth as well. And he co-wrote Just Like Paradise in 88. Uh, you know, he made a little bit of cash with that song. And so uh, he passed away uh, at 70 years of age. So rest in peace, Brett. Tuggle also, uh, who died today, who died today, the floating restaurant landmark that served millions of customers while stationed in Hong Kong's Aberdeen Harbor, capsized and sunk. I know <laughs> the jumbo floating restaurant was in the process of being towed away from its longtime home when it encountered uh, severe weather in the South China Sea and uh, we just, we just let it go. It's unsalvageable. Let it go. 
So, I mean, it was a, it's been a destination for a long time. The 2,300-person vessel served guests like Queen Elizabeth, Tom Cruise, my favorite, and more. The restaurant also reflected Hong Kong's relationship with the West. Yeah. Uh, so it shuttered at the beginning of COVID, and it never came back. I mean, it shuttered in 2019, never came back. It's been running a according to these people, has been running in a, at a deficit since 2013. And then they were towing it away. Now, I love that they the ultimate destination was never revealed. Maybe because the ultimate destination was for it to sink. Let's just tow it out in the ocean and let it go. And get rid of this damn thing. <laughs> That's very possible. I'm surprised they didn't do that with uh, the cruise ship Global Dream 2. Uh, yeah, I know that died too. Uh, it was, uh, supposed to be a real ship, right? And it was supposed to, uh, supposed to be this monster ship. It had a sister ship, the, uh, global dream. And so it would have been one of the largest ships in the world. They're talking about 9,000 passengers, uh, but, uh, the company, the shipbuilder went into bankruptcy and, uh, the, then, uh, the German shipyard, uh, bought it. And uh, we just salvage it for parts. Ah, nobody wants that damn ship anymore. 9,000 passengers, COVID, it's too big. It's been around. We had to just salvage it for parts. Maybe, maybe the old global dream, the sister ship needs some parts and uh, we can sell it to them for a uh, part. So those of you that have been waiting to cruise the Caribbean or uh, European ports of joy, uh, global dream two will not be happening so it's just being sold for parts also uh, another who died today this is uh, really sad as if they all aren't sad uh, a spider monkey was in a shootout with the uh, cartel and uh, the police and a spider monkey has been found dead now you think to yourself what the heck was the monkey doing there well it was part of the cartel and it was wearing a bulletproof vest and other body armor. <laughs> uh, so rest in peace, little spider monkey. Purr, little spider monkey, little spider monkey. So apparently the uh, cartel in uh, Texacalitan land, right? Tex, uh, Texcaltilan. Amorphophallus. Was killed in the shootout. Uh, apparently the, and sure 11 other people, uh, gang members were killed in the shootout. Sure. But all we care about is the cartel mascot who had a hoodie, a bulletproof vest and a diaper who was killed in the shootout too. He was, he was found alongside the body of a slain gunman. They're guessing that that slain gunman is the owner of the spider monkey. And the picture is so sad. I mean, it almost doesn't look real. And it's, you know, we, <laughs> They posted a picture on their Twitter feed of the dead monkey with the hoodie and the bulletproof vest. <laughs> it's not funny. I, it's not funny. I'm laughing because I almost, I'm almost crying. So we don't know the name of the spider monkey. And we just know that we know other exotic animals are owned by drug cartel members duh that's what happens we've had a we've seen lately that the bengal tigers are you know walking around the coast uh, near the border with sonola uh the infamous sonola cartel and uh, they are very prominent in the region 
I don't know that they had anything to do with the Bengal tiger roaming around the town. But uh, when you, if you're walking down the street in Mexico on vacation and you see the old Bengal tiger, I would just go the other way. I wouldn't worry about calling the authorities. I wouldn't worry about... I would just go the other way and get away. Okay? According to this, and this is why. All right? According to this, um, when the man... There was a man who tried to, uh, you know, feed the tiger and the tiger bit off his arm and would not relent. So, and then he bit at the, the man's other arm. So I would say when you, if you see the tiger go the other way and the tiger didn't have a bulletproof vest on, so maybe the cartel member didn't love the tiger as much as he loved the little spider monkey. And just a quick reminder that I am still running for Pope. Okay. Uh, Pope, uh, Jeffy, Obesius Fatimus, XXX. Uh, I'm still running. Uh, I know speculation is still mounting that the Pope is going to resign. Uh, he postponed a trip to Africa and announced an unusual meeting of the Cardinals. He's not going to Africa because of uh, his health struggles and his nerve pain and he's got bad knees and he's been seen in a wheelchair. So just remember that when this Pope uh, you know, retires, uh, I'm still running for Pope. I'd like to see the white smoke go up for me. So I had this story about a lady who climbed over some passengers on an airplane to get to the window seat. There were two men sitting on the aisle and in the middle, and her seat was apparently at on the window side. And instead of making these two adult males, uh, large males, uh, get up and move back and get out of the way so she could get to the seat. She just stepped up on the armrest of the outside seat and then on the armrest, uh, you know, of the middle seat and then across into the, uh, into the window seat. I'm okay with it. I don't know why people were so mad about it. People were all wound up about her. And, you know, just because these men uh, had no issue with it, uh, just because they didn't verbalize a complaint doesn't mean they weren't annoyed. Well, they would have been more annoyed had they had to get up. She went to him and said, hey, I'm going to climb over and get to the seat. And so they just kind of, you know, got out of the way a little bit and let her step up on the, up on the armrest and get to the seat. I think I like that better. I think that's a good plan. I don't, I don't like the idea of having to get up and you have to take off the seat belt and move the tray up and move all the stuff if you have a book or a phone or whatever you have in your lap and then you have to get resettled into your seat. No, uh, just climb over. I'm, all, I'm almost good with that. Just climb over. If she's willing to do it, climb over. I don't want to have to move. I'll just lean to the right a little bit or lean to the left a little bit, depending on which armrest you're going to step on. And you just go on over. I think I'm okay with that. And I will say that there was one post that said, uh, if that's the most criminal activity you've seen on a flight, you obviously haven't flown much. (laughs) Be thankful there wasn't a Karen on board or some snot factory sitting next to you or kicking your seat. Better luck on your return flight. (laughs) (laughs) so if you have the opportunity and you have the window seat uh you know climb over if you if you're able to do it climb over i'm not climbing over uh you're gonna have to get up and let me slide in but uh, if you could climb over go ahead i'm all for it 
And uh, good news for American Airlines, uh, they're going to be, uh, Pete Buttigieg said he's going to force them to hire more people. Well, they're just going to go ahead and stop serving some cities. Uh, they're going to drop Toledo, Ohio, uh, which I don't know how many people are going to Toledo these days, but I'm sure some do. Uh, Ithaca, New York, and Islip, New York. I mean, those two, those three cities alone have got to be <laughs> thousands of people going to those uh, cities every day. I'm surprised they haven't been cut before. So after Labor Day, no more. If you had planned on going to Toledo or Ithaca or Islip uh, after Labor Day, ooh, sorry. Uh, you're going to have to. They said that uh, we're extreme for, extremely grateful for the care and service our team members provided to our customers in Islip, Ithaca, and Toledo, and are working closely with them during this time. Uh, we'll proactively reach out to the customers scheduled to travel after this date to offer alternative arrangements. Yeah, like the bus. <laughs> uh, that's how you're getting there. All right. Uh, there might be maybe a private airline that can fly you in. But, uh, you know, we're going to drop you off in Cincinnati. And then you can just go ahead and take the bus to Toledo. Or, you know, actually, you probably should fly into Detroit and then go into Toledo since it's probably closer than Cincinnati. But whatever's closer. Uh, you know, we'll fly you into, and then you can take the bus there. No problem. Okay. All right. Good. I see where, uh, you know, after this past weekend of all the canceled flights and delayed, I mean, thousands of flights delayed and canceled, um, Delta Airlines has cut 100 flights from its daily schedule between July 1st and August 7th. It said that uh, we know that uh, flying is at a record amount of overtime to reduce the high number of cancellations. Oh. Oh, okay. Other airlines have cut back on their schedules as well. Southwest cut 20,000 flights this summer. Wow. American is also making changes to eight other routes, which the airline spokesman said is better match to the current demand and environment. Oh, okay. And the regional carriers owned by American, the PSA Airlines, Envoy Air, and Piedmont. Wow, I haven't flown those. I've flown, I've flown Piedmont before. Uh, recently announced uh, contract agreements. Get this. With, uh, with, the Airline Pilots Association, pilots working for at PSA Airlines, which operates 800 daily flights for American, going to receive an additional 50% pay raise for two years. Uh, that's pretty good. That's <laughs> uh, not bad. I think that'll, you know, I mean, it's going to be tough to, you know, let that cut go after two years, but they're, you know, at least putting a Band-Aid on for the next couple of years. So, I mean, they're trying, but it's going to be a nightmare flying in the next few months. So if you're able to, hey, take the bus. <laughs> I mean, they already said, right, wasn't it? I think it was American that is setting up uh, bus services from like Philadelphia to New York and some of the big cities along the East Coast so that you fly in and instead of being delayed to fly in again as a, as a you know, your connecting flight, we're just going to bus you in. Oh, okay, great. I'm a big fan of that. No, really, there's nothing I want to do than take the bus. I I've took oh, the bus, man. I took the bus at one point in my life from Saginaw, Michigan to St. Petersburg, Florida. What a ride. What a ride. It just, I, I'll, I'll tell the whole story some days, but just know that it was a fun, fun ride. All the way, all the way. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got to St. Petersburg and they didn't have my luggage. So I had to come back. It was amazing. Oh man. Good times. 
Good times. And I see where the U.S. Marshals are still butthurt over the escape of the three guys from Alcatraz in 1962. Why are they still butthurt? Let it go, man. Let it go. So they released pictures, age-updated pictures. All these guys would be in their 90s if they're still alive. And the ongoing U.S. Marshals investigation of the 1962 escape from Alcatraz Federal Prison serves as a warning to fugitives that regardless of time, we will continue to look for you and bring you to justice. You know what? It's been, for, I think we ought to have a cutoff time. I mean, I know your butt hurt and these guys got away and uh, got out of uh, Alcatraz and there was a movie about it and uh, you know, you're still butt hurt about it, but maybe you ought to let it go. Okay. I mean, they shimmied through holes that they had created past the vents in their cell blocks, climbed up the plumbing to the cell house roof, traversed a hundred feet across the rooftop, then carefully maneuvered down 50 feet of piping to the ground near the entrance to the shower area. They left behind the detailed plastered heads on the beds to trick any guards on night duty. And when prison guards conducted their routine morning check of the beds the next day, they reported, ooh, these guys are missing. But that was a 10-hour head start. So the prison was put on lockdown. Local and federal authorities worked together for weeks to investigate their disappearance. Locals gathered with telescopes on Pier 43 to watch the search. A huge air and sea and land search was mounted over the next 10 days. Found no trace of the escaped inmates. And eventually, federal officials downplayed the story, insisted they must have drowned. Oh, okay, well, no problem. And I see where, and I, you know, I've seen Alcatraz from the Golden uh, Gate Bridge and from along the walkway and stuff. You see it out there. But there's a picture from the 60s where uh, they put in these, these telescopes and there's a big sign that says, View Alcatraz, the federal prison through powerful telescope. And they've got all these people looking through the telescope and look at the search. It's awesome. Really, I mean, that is nothing says the 60s like that. Man, that's capitalism right there. All right, what we can do is we'll put up telescopes and rent people the time so they can watch the investigation. Okay. No problem. I don't know if they've got new information. Maybe, you know, one of the guys is in a nursing home now and they're going to arrest him just to make a point. But maybe it's time to let it go. I'm just saying. Maybe it's time to let it go. I know you want to eventually bring all criminals to justice. And especially if they escaped from, you know, federal prison. But uh, maybe it's time. Maybe. Maybe it's time just to let it go. <laughs> Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.